Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. To the Beyond the First Marker podcast. Beyond the First Marker is a podcast that explores the greater Star Wars universe and how to represent themed characters, units, and battles on the Star Wars Legion tabletop. This will involve digging into the rules and sharing modeling options to make your favorite units a playable reality. We are an Australian based podcast and will be regularly chatting with members of the Australian Legion community and the larger global community. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this, the third episode, our actual third episode of Beyond the First Market Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Drew Barker, and with me is Lobrad. How you doing, Lobrad? I'm good, brother. Hey, Drewy, does this make, since it's the third episode, are, are we talking uh, Jedi or are we talking... What what you you screwed me up so bad with the numbering last <laughs> time. Are we going to put on little Ewok suits this time or are we talking... Uh, uh, Wait, we haven't already? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <awkward>. <laughs> I'm always in an Ewok suit, dude. I don't know if I'd fit in that Ewok suit. Anyway, um, on that. Moving along. Moving this along. This is the chronologically third episode of Beyond the First Market Podcast. Now, this will be the first episode where we don't necessarily tackle uh, a battle or a, um, a group or an army per se. Um, instead, we're going to actually do something that we've been promising slash threatening since we started. And we're actually going to talk to Bo, um, who is the TO of a narrative-focused uh, Legion event in Sydney that's going to be happening in late February. So you're going to hear from him later on in this episode. Uh, but before that, but I, I meant to I meant to say, for, don't get scared though. It, it is it is it is an event that is very much um, uh, very much in our bag. Yes. And whilst whilst we have nothing to do with it, we wish we did. My God, do I'm and listening because. Um, Okay, I'm going to pull back the curtain and do a little behind baseball here, guys. We actually pre-recorded the interview. So um, when Drew and I... I know. Time continuum out the window. But what that means is that um, we kind of know what he says already. And my God, do I want to play in this event. It is absolutely the kind of Legion event that Drew and I would love to play in. And I can't wait till you guys can hear it so we can talk about it. Uh, Maybe on the next episode in some of the armies that were brought... Such cool ideas, and Drew, I think we might have to run a Beyond the First Marker event at some point soon. It is. It will be on the cards. I I do not doubt it. Fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to, because both you and I have had uh, sort of several sort of big Legion moments uh, since the last recording. Um, And we've been been stepping out into the community. Yeah, which is cool. We've played with other people. It's been... It's been weird. It, it's nah, not, nah, nah, not, nah, not at all. It's good. Yeah, well, I mean, it is not. It is a little strange because I'm not playing Drew <laughs> in the middle of a game. I'm like, oh, yeah, 
yeah, it's I can't just assume that Drew knows that because I'm not playing Drew. Mm. Um, so, Drew, who have you been playing? You actually went out and you went to a club night or a Legion night store at a night. local store, right? Yeah. So tell yeah, us about so, uh, it. So I headed down to Frankston in the, uh, the southern suburbs of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, so down there is a, a general games store. There are two general games stores, one in Melbourne and one in Frankston. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I've not been to the one at Frankston until last week. The one at Frankston has a decent playing area. Um, I think 18 or 20 tables they could set up at a, uh, like at a pinch. And, oh, wow. Um, I mean, they, don't get me wrong. There weren't that many people playing Legion. But uh, I think we had four tables set up last week. And so I went down there. I didn't know anyone. Um, but I just sort of moseyed up to a table. And, um, and a guy named Adam introduced himself to me. And... So I met Adam, I met uh, another guy named Marcus, and um, I'm, I'm just not going to drop surnames here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I felt really welcomed down there, um, despite not knowing anyone. And I don't know, I'm probably not that outgoing a person in, in situations where I don't know people. So um, I, felt re- I felt really invited there, and, and it, was, it was very comfortable, nice. very relaxed. That's huge, man, to, to be welcomed in. When you, especially when you don't know anyone, man, that can be intimidating to walk into a new gaming situation. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they invited you in, and you know, you, and then you got a game. Yeah, I think their their club nights only been running a couple of weeks down there. So, um, so Thursday nights at Frankston General Games, they'll be uh, they'll be running games. Um, I think it's from about five thirty to nine thirty. Although we went till about ten, which is when the store closes. So mm-hmm. that's it's not a hard cut off. Um, and yeah, there were about three games running when I got there, and I started the fourth with another guy called Andrew who walked in. Um, so that was his second game, I think. So again, it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't too intimidating in terms of coming up against a whole bunch of really super experienced players. Like most of the people there seemed to be new to the game and just as happy to to make mistakes as I am. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really nice. That's cool, man. That's cool. So, I, yep, go ahead. I played against my, my first game against clones as well. Oh, cool. And, and they sound like the, uh, well, they seem like the new annoying faction because there's <laughs> just so much synergizing going on there. Like everything just just works with everything else. This, mm-hmm. It's not like Rebels at all. No, it's not. And uh, how many, <laughs> yeah, it's a, what I was playing uh, because I was playing in an event recently as well. Uh, I played against some of the newer factions as well, and I kept saying, "Oh, surge tokens! Ah, haven't seen those before. Oh, that's what they do. Ah, um, which you know kind of shows our experience in the game. I mean, we've been playing a lot of rebels versus imperials, but um, you know, yeah. getting into some of the more classic units, uh, I have definitely seen a few cards now that I went, "Oh, that's what that does." And, um, for example, uh, I will be definitely using sur- surge tokens in my uh, Empire list very, very shortly, because, my God, would mm. it be nice. Um, I guess not for my Stormtroopers so much, because they already surge to hit. But having some surge to defend would be glorious. <laughs> uh, yes. I thought so. I, I thought I was really clever and pulling off my, um, my gin bomb uh, mm-hmm. against this clone army. And... I got in range and I'm like, yep, cool. And they, someone's going to shoot me. I'll jump in and I'll be defended and I'll just chop them up and it'll be good. But then the one squad that 
I couldn't see before their activation, so I couldn't respond to them. Mm-hmm. They sort of jumped out, got a line of sight on me, and then just said, hey, guys, everyone shoot Jin. And they all did shoot Jin, and Jin did not survive. <laughs> yeah, they are good with the pileup, aren't they? When all of a sudden <laughs> everybody's shooting. Doesn't matter how many uh, you know suppression they have. Don't even worry about it, buddy. We're all going to join in in one big happy shooting fest. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty so cool. I need to beat up on my clients. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, I didn't play clones. I played droids. Uh, but I'll get to that in a second. So that's cool, man. <laughs> um, I, I know that you, uh, as a teacher, can't always get out on a weeknight normally. Do you think you'll have an opportunity to get out to this club from time to time? Uh, I think definitely on the holidays. Uh, I, I should be able to get out there. Um, it's, it's only a half hour drive from my house. So with, good, with, with sort of post-peak traffic, it's not too bad. Nice. Um, so I think that seems like something I can do. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, to that. Sweet. Well, I also got out and about and, uh, I've been playing some games. Uh, I played you obviously, but I also played, uh, in a local event at good games, Melbourne. Uh, I'm a big fan of their big fan of them as a store. Uh, and as a gaming venue, they have a nice, clean, well-lit, uh, well-stocked store in the middle of Melbourne's central business district. Um, which is saying something. I mean, it's really nice. And they got a lot of great tables. And uh, so uh, they, it was one of their first Legion events. And so it was small. Uh, eight players signed up, and uh, we all showed up. And uh, and by we, all, I guess only six people showed up. So it was only six people. <coughs> but the people who did show up, um, I think I had the least experience of the lot by a country mile. Everyone who showed up wow. knew what they were doing to the nth degree. Um, but it was that said, I mean, we did have some of the quote unquote better players in Victoria in the form of like James Brett, um, a gentleman named Sheev was there who is apparently quite good as well. Um, and of course I played Sh- both of them. Sheev. Sheev. Like, uh, the like Pelpy. Yeah. Pelpy. Ah. So I played Palpatine <laughs> unlimited power. Nice. Uh, so, but it was a nice mix because we had two empire, we had two rebels and we had two clones. Um, and everyone was preparing their list for CanCon. And so, droids, I, sir? so <laughs> what's that? Didn't you say there were droids? Yeah. Two droids. Not clones. No clones, no clones. So okay. The, okay. the two clone players apparently didn't show up. So um, because okay. there were eight people signed up and then only six showed up. So it was two, two and two. So clearly the two that were missing were the two clone players. Apparently they were playing with themselves somewhere else. But um, yeah, no, it was it was really cool. Uh, I brought some of my Star Wars train and uh, got some good games in. I played Sheev first against his uh, Empire and it was it was it was it was very cool because he had uh, a lot of newer things uh, that I hadn't seen. He had shore troopers with the mortars. Um, of course, he had Krennic to death sh- troopers. Sorry, go ahead. So no sheave. No sheave. No sheave. He did not sheave uh, this missed, time. Missed opportunity there. He well, he usually does. Um, so he was trying <laughs> out Krennic, uh, but he had yeah. It was just it was a really cool empire list, and uh, it was great to see. Uh, someone who's very well versed with Empire using Medroids. Um, and, you know, th- everything was in the right place. He had his activations down pat. And it was very nice to see a, an experienced Empire player who knew what they were doing, you know, going through the order of operations, you know, chaining activations properly and doing all that. It was a great game. It was a lot of fun. So um, I played him. And then I ended up playing my old buddy James Brett from the old Warhammer days. And he mm-hmm. is an outstanding player and he was playing 
uh, a droid army that I I dreaded um, the second he showed up and I found out what was in his list. Um, and it was sort of minimal droids. I think it was um, six squads of minimal droids with almost no upgrades. He did have a few um, uh, of the uh, the packs that allow him to um, activate um, the communications packs. The name's escaping yep. me right now. I can't believe I'm blanking on that. Um, but he also had... Um, one one unit of Rolly Boys, and then he had Doku and Grievous. Um, both of them were fully oh. tooled, and my yeah. God, did that hurt! Um, Five sabers in the face. Yeah, my goodness. So uh, I I took the Mimbin list that we talked about last time, uh, and so I had. Um, one E-Web, I had uh, five units of Stormtroopers, I had uh, Snowtroopers, I had a, a plain Jane Rebel Officer, but then I also had a tooled-up ATST uh, and a unit of Scouts who I used my um, Bounty Hunters for, um, and I tooled yes. them up with extra, um, extra cards. And... Uh, yeah, I, I was really happy with my with my playing over the course of the day. Uh, I am not a fantastic Star Wars Legion player. Um, I'm still getting my sea legs with the game, as we've said before. But um, I am a very experienced war gamer, and so when I was playing Sheev, um, I actually we were playing key positions. Um, I actually uh, won, which was weird. Um, I think he would have probably handily taken me, um, but uh, we ran out of time. And so I was able to hold the objectives earlier and he wasn't able to kick <laughs> me off. Thank God. Nice work. Um, nice work. Yes. Thank you. And then uh, when I was playing James Brett at the, at the game ended uh, in the very last turn, I had seven units touching the central objective. Again, we were playing key positions and I'd run up and sort of pig piled on it. And I was thinking, cool. Um, there's, he can only get maximum four units touching I think I have him. I can't believe I'm going to beat James. And then uh, Doku walked up and force pushed a unit off, force lightninged another unit into oblivion, um, and then chopped another unit in half with his lightsaber. And then it was tied, and he had uh, killed enough units that he beat me in points. And I was like, and that's how you're supposed to do it. But it was like <laughs> bottom of the last turn. So it was super cinematic. And um, yeah, it was very cool. It was a great I would say like, Yeah, it was super I've, fun. I've, I've played James once at this game and myriad other times at Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and he's one of the nicest guys to get beaten by. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. He's always pleasant to sit across from. Well, both those guys were great because um, though I, I, I pretty well, I know what my army generally does, um, they were very patient in explaining to me like how things worked, and um, if I made a mistake, they were like, hey, that isn't how that works. Um, they were just super nice guys, and I really enjoyed playing them. Sheev should have absolutely won his game. I feel so bad about that um, still. But it, it look, it didn't matter. I wasn't playing to win or lose. If I had lost both games, uh, I would have been just as happy as I am now. But it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad that we are able to do it. Um, we went over time, so we didn't get a third game in, and that is largely to do because I actually had to leave and take my terrain with me to go home. Um, but that won't happen next time. And I know that they, they are going to be planning more events soon. Um, I think they're actually already up on their events page, and I will have more terrain for them to use. Um, they will have more of their own Star Wars terrain, and um, they're going to have even more and better prizes next time. And I got a pile of prizes this time. It was cool. It was very cool. Are you, sure, are you sure 
Are you sure you didn't just get cranky and take your toys home, dude? Like... Yeah. No, I didn't this time. Although, Leave. my God, I am getting, I am going to show my age here. Um, so I do love Bolt Action as a game, and I'm bringing this up for a reason. Um, Bolt Action is a game that depends on alternating. It's not alternating activations. It's random activations because you're pulling um, tokens out of a bag to see who's activating what unit when. And so you are constantly thinking. You're constantly on the go. And when you're playing bolt action, I've sort of found that there's no break and you're constantly thinking and it's it's an endurance uh, exercise. If you're playing in like a, a, a six game tournament or heaven forbid, even longer for some of the big events. But man, because Legion is alternating activations and you're chaining and because it's the constant you're rolling, your opponent's rolling and it's just that constant interaction, I feel like it's almost as draining um, in a good way, like it's really, it's an engaging, fun game, and I, I love the way it plays. But my God, I am, I'm well out of fighting shape for this game at the moment <laughs> because after two games, I got, I went home and sat on the couch and looked shell shock, and my wife was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "No, I'm not. I gotta play more games. <laughs> this is ridiculous." I mean, part of that is me th- overthinking because I'm still figuring everything out. But the other part of it was, ouch, um, I really need to start playing more than one game at a time. Because, uh, yeah, it, ooh, my endurance is not up. I'm just, um, I'm just now picturing, picturing like a montage, like a Rocky-esque montage of you, like painting and then basing and then playing, rolling dice and throwing down cards, maybe like just with no one on the other side of the table, but just like, you know. <laughs> yes. And just like with your fighting boxing stance, like, yeah, I'll stop now. But, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's more playing Eye of the Tiger and rolling dice in the dark with one foot up on a chair doing the power stance. Isn't that, isn't that the traditional wargaming getting ready? One hand on a hip? Something like that. Uh, I can think of one doctor that might do that. Yeah, okay, awkward. Uh, well, let's, let's, move, <laughs> let's move outside of inside jokes then and get, move on to what we've been up to. Um, so we've both been playing games, but that isn't always um, necessarily going to be the focus of this podcast because you and I are both very much um, narrative focused and we want to build forces. Um, now, I have a lot of hobby I've been up to, but what have you been up to? Because I know you've been up to some really <laughs> cool stuff. Uh, yeah, so after the Christmas break, or Christmas period rather, I had, it's like apparently hadn't gotten enough toys for Christmas or whatever, so I said, oh, I want to buy some more stuff. Then I realized, yes. no, wait, I have a whole bunch of Rebel stuff unpainted in a box that I bought off a mate um, that I should paint. So I busted out a, a gin, mm-hmm. and um, because I'm not using anything out of like, off the shelf because that's boring mm-hmm. um but no that's fine for those people doing that please do that that's 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 great but that's i not you. i want to well even though we never see gin fighting in a cold climate I, i'm i'm adapting everything for the cold mm-hmm. so for gin i didn't i didn't do a heap to gin i just gave her a really sort of subtle bit of fur around her she's she's already already wearing a scarf so i just add a bit of fur around it mm-hmm. just to hint that there's a there's a furry hood under there that, that is literally all i did to her mm-hmm. and i painted her up but i gave her a, a sort of much um paler palette than her. she's using a very dark tone so i went with quite sort of light light grays and similar stuff to the rest of my whole force mm-hmm. um i had some fleet troopers and for the fleet troopers i again didn't do a heap to them i added some big cuffs to their sleeves so that 
instead of looking like they just had jackets with bare hands, this looked like they had sort of heavyish gloves on. Nice. Um, and I was going, <clears throat> I was going with, uh, I can't remember his name now, General. Um, Riken? Sorry? Riken, the guy from Empire? Yes. So I, I looked to him for inspiration. And so he's got a bit of a kind of a light brown jacket and uh, sort of a light gray shirt on, I think, or at least that's what it looked like from the screen grabs that I went with. Mm-hmm. So I use that. Oh, he has a bunch of red detailing as well. So like he's got um, sort of red piping on his jacket, I think. Um, so I use that for the fleet troopers. So they have white gloves on with sort of cuffs um, and then brown jackets with some red piping on them. For the helmets, I tried to stick with the traditional colors mm-hmm. for the helmets because I figured they could change the clothing they're wearing. But from what I've read, I think those helmets are kind of ceremonial. So mm-hmm. um, I figured those colors wouldn't change. And I see these guys as maybe some holdout troops that, that stay within the base, uh, within Echo Base. To um, Not that we ever see anything like that, but right. they're kind of my, my interior defense. Mm-hmm. Um because I can never figure out why fleet troopers are on uh, fighting in ground battles, but right. whatever. Exactly. Um, so I got them painted up. Uh, I painted up my. Uh, sorry, I'm not finished. I haven't finished painting them yet, but we're getting there. Um, I painted up uh, my Wookies. Nice. And they're in a pretty standard color scheme. Um, the only thing I thought that was slightly maybe unusual for them is I tried to make some of the armor and more kind of. Um, like the sort of the Wookiee, the Wookiee look part, like the armor and the, the sort of ceremonial things, I gave them sort of a coppery tone just to make them look a little bit more. Um, yeah. Make uh, uh, it a little more I think I should look. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, so did you add any extra fur to the Wookiees to make it old leather? <laughs> I did not. I went and had a look at Chewie from, um, from Empire, and mm. he's not wearing anything. He's, he's wearing this the same bandolier that he's always exactly. wearing um but i will once once i base them i'll um i'll be sure to dust them with a good good bit of snow just to yeah. sort of there you go that's um, what you them in there mm-hmm. yeah and then so i didn't actually convert the wookies or chewbacca i painted chewbacca as well oh cool and man you've been busy yeah well i haven't i haven't finished the fleet troopers yet um and the other one I started was Bosk, and I didn't do any conversion, converting on Bosk. I just wanted to, to paint him because it's mm-hmm. kind of a cool model. Uh, and again, I'm partway through painting him. And then this week, I'm moving on, even though I haven't finished all that painting yet. Um, they're still in my painting box. But this week I started um, work on something that I just wanted to try out. So uh, post-Christmas, you can buy a lot of uh, – cheap LEDs that are battery operated yes, and pretty strong. And I picked up like half a dozen boxes of lights, 20 lights a pack for two bucks each. Nice. And so there's, there's a lot of things I can do with these, like make a light box for taking photos. So mm-hmm. I'll probably do that in the near future. Um, but one of the other projects I wanted to do was to make, um, to, to play around with an infinity tunnel, which is, there's probably other names for it that you might not buy, but essentially you have um, a mirror and a, uh, a two-way mirror is probably what people call it, but uh, semi-silvered mirror is probably more more uh, technical. And it's just a mirror that partially reflects and partially transmits. And so 
if you set the two up so that you look through the part, the, the two-way mirror at the standard mirror mm-hmm. with some sort of light in that cavity, then you can set up an infinitely repeating image of that, of that box. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd use this effect to make a hangar entrance. So it's going to be like a tunnel it, that goes into the side of a hill and just disappears into the distance to suggest a very deep uh, or a, a long, deep tunnel That's into so this hangar. Cool. Man, that is so cool. I thought you were going to make some joke about Ray and um, being <laughs> looking at her dark self and the, the middle movie. But no, okay. No, that's man. That is so cool. The fact it's it's it reminds me of the um, Battlestar Galactica. You know the the Vipers taking off in the old one when they would shoot down the tunnel and it would be just ah, you know, yeah. the lights passing by to to create the illusion of that tunnel existing on a board in the background. Man, that's going to look so good. Uh, yeah, it's and it's been it's been fun. Like so, this week I've just been playing around with the mirrors and cutting out some of the uh the lighting details so i've got um i've tried to go i tried to sort of approximate what the the death star hanger looks like mm-hmm. with the sort of there's lit columns along the sides um i'm not going to put the really thick lighting strip around the the actual um at the mouth of the tunnel because mm-hmm. i think that might cause a bit too much reflection i'm not sure but I'll, it just seems like it might be difficult um and then i've put that classic imperial um strip lighting along the ceiling so that will kind of that will be continuous along the ceiling of this tunnel and then um lit columns down the side as well but i had to cut all of that out of plastic card and doing those sorts of cuts um so to do like that imperial lighting um pattern mm-hmm. that um, you need to essentially drill a hole at either end of the strip and then cut out the space between them. But that's actually fairly time consuming. So yes, uh, <laughs> it's taken a while. But then once I get that done, once I get the de- interior detailed, I then just have to build up a hill around it. And uh, I might extend the tunnel a little bit at the open end just so that, you know, you can actually have, there, actually, there is actually space to put mm-hmm. um, troops in there. Uh, but I found... For anyone interested in doing something similar, um, getting mirrors is probably expensive or difficult. Um, you could get them cut, but that would sort of add up. Um, I found the cheapest way to get a mirror cut to the size that you want. They're not particularly clear, but I was, I was going more for cheap than, uh, than uh, mm-hmm. clarity, is to get uh, perspex, so um, clear acrylic clear acrylic sheet yeah and then you can buy um car tint car window tinting film oh cool yeah, yeah. in a roll mm-hmm. um i got some cheap well i had to come came fairly from fairly far away and it was so it took a while to get through so you know if it's if it's a project you want to do quickly it's not so great but um mm-hmm. that seemed to be the cheapest way and then you just cut the pieces of um, acrylic that you want lay down the film and you're good to go that's a good tip man. um so yeah and then the other thing, which I haven't started, but I want to do in the same vein as that, is to um, build a little sort of mini replica of uh, Vader's castle from uh, Mustafa. Mm-hmm. And I have a um, I have a Palpatine Pez dispenser, nice. which has been 
sitting in my bits box for a while. Sitting um, in your bits box, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apologies to any Pez dispenser collectors out there. I have a Palpatine one. I don't know how rare it is. I don't care because I'm going to cut it off. And I'm going to make a war. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called now. Um, like a plinth? No, it's going to be that, that, that old sort of carnival illusion where um, you have a, a 45 degree mirror or partially mirrored nice. uh, glass sheet and you can create like a ghost image of something. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to set up like a little hologram um, chamber in the bottom of my Mustafari um, castle. So if you look in there, you can see Vader's chamber like empty. But when you turn it on, Sheev's face pops up. Um, so sort of superimposed and yeah, it'll look kind of like a, like a hologram message from, from Sheev. That is so good, man. I, I would go with the more traditional, here's a statue. I'm going to paint it using, you know, the, the games workshop ethereal paints and then highlight it white on the edges and ta-da, it looks like a hologram, but you're actually going to create a visual hologram. Yeah. But maybe I should paint it like that though, still just to, just to just to help the the hologram effect. Oh man, that's so cool. That's awesome. Ah, uh, Drew, as always, I am uh, properly impressed by the level of your hobby and the fact that you just coughed this up out of nowhere and the fact that you ordered the bits months ago for it to show up. Ah, uh, it's taken a while, but I haven't really produced any of this. I, I've produced the tunnel yeah. illusion. I haven't done anything with it yet though. And I put a, video, uh, there's a couple of videos up of that on, on our Facebook uh, yeah. page. Be on the first marker Facebook, Facebook page. Check it out. Um, yeah. Well, so that's, I, yeah. that's me. Well, man, How I, are you? I have not been up to tons. Um, I've been preparing a lot of miniatures uh, so I can do some videos for the Cast Ice Facebook page. And those have not necessarily been for Legion. However, um, I did, uh, at the end of last school year, I did get a figure case full of beautifully painted models that I had sent off. Um, well before to our good friend and incredibly talented uh, commission painter in the UK, Andy Singleton, um, who just actually, I believe, came out with another book recently. Check it out. It's amazing. Um, Volley Fire Painting Service. Love his stuff. Um, and Is so, the second batch you've got from them? So it's the first batch still. Um, I am embarrassingly still converting, and I'll get to that in a sec. But um, what I what I have done is I've been sitting on this mound of models uh, since it arrived because the end of the school year hit and I was trying to get a few things finished. So I never did the bases because I told Andy to specifically not to paint the bases because I wasn't sure what to do with them. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they arrived, I couldn't quite decide because I'd done the Minbin bases um, using Sterling Mud, the GW technical paint, and I dry brushed Mm. it up a couple of layers of brown to sort of make it pop. But then I was thinking, do I really want all of these models to be on the same basis? Because some of them don't like, one of them's Palpatine. Would Palpatine ever be on a muddy planet? Um, But playing on the weekend just reminded me how many cool units there are in the game. And I have all of these beautifully painted models that just need to be finished. Um, and so what I, I, I just basically bit the bullet and I've started to put Sterling mud on, but we're talking about like 70 models. So I got to half of them today and I'm going to get the other half tomorrow. Maybe it's more like 60, but it's, it's a lot of models. Uh, and so I have an entire army, six units of, 
um, Imperial Snowtroopers painted as Galactic Marines, and I will be suggesting we do a Galactic Marine episode of this podcast shortly because I do want to talk mm-hmm. about them. Um, they, I have a unit of Death Troopers. I have Palpatine, Royal Guard, Scout Troopers, two E-Webs, um, a whole slew of um, those uh, uh, Imperial Specialists to add to the Trooper Squads. Um, and of course I do have Bosk in there as well, Boba Fett and Veers and assorted other things. So it's but my a, understanding is that you're, you're going to base them in the same way as the, yeah, I'm going right? to so, 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 paint them the exact same way. Uh, it's just going to be sterling mud. Uh, and then I'll dry brush it up a couple layers of Brown and, uh, it just looks like generic dirt. Uh, but it, it's mm-hmm. kind of got a warmth to it that I think is going to really go well with the sort of cream and bone and uh, crimson of the uh, Galactic Marines. So yeah, super cool, very excited. You are the f- you're the first person that I'm aware of so far that has two distinctly different uh, armies of the same faction. Yeah, well, it's I'm going to kind of cheat. Because um, I I have been doing a lot of reading on the Galactic Marines. I'm super excited to put them on the table. Um, and when I first uh, put the army together, when I first bought it, um, clones were a rumor and they didn't exist. And so now that they do, I'm actually converting. I bought another box of snow troopers a couple months ago uh, mm-hmm. and using all the extra pieces and some 3D print weapons that I got from Shapeways because uh, there are people you can get um, like sprues of clone weapons from. Uh, I'm actually converting up clone heavy troopers using the snow trooper bodies. And so with that, I can run the uh, Galactic Marines as both uh, snow troopers if I want to run them as Imperial or I can run them as clone troopers if I want to run them as... Uh, the, the galactic uh sorry yeah, cool. yeah yeah but um because of that i i actually ha- also have a uh painted uh skull forge yoda model so uh it's not all empire so uh, when i do want to run them as clones i do have a uh a jedi to run with them so very excited um although i oh, might yeah. need to uh add uh, a general kenobi uh and or a Rex as well. And I do have, uh, well, I guess I'll save that for the Galactic Marine episode, but there is plenty more where that comes from. So I'm super excited. You'll, you'll need to source a Keanu Mundi as well. So there's, there is only one Keanu Mundi model that, um, that I'm aware of, and it is um, from a gentleman in Russia, and it's not 3D printed as an actual model, but it is, um, it's not ridiculously expensive by itself. It's fine. But then shipping from the Soviet Union or yeah. from Russia as one model, <laughs> uh, it, it does add up. And I keep thinking, am I going to bite the bullet and buy just this one model? But then I keep looking at his other stuff thinking, oh, that looks nice. But the second you pick up a few things and then you go to the shipping and you go, oh, Oh, that adds up. And I do have a Skull Forged order that is currently on its way. So it's like, well, maybe I'll wait yeah. for a little bit. But yeah, um, we do. I do have a Jedi. Yeah. So I'm very excited about some Mandalorian. Love this coming. Uh, but yeah. And uh, spoilers, I might have something 
along the lines of Utini to add to our uh, games shortly. So very excited about <laughs> that. But that's kind of where I'm at. Um, so I'm 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 getting this massive pile of models uh, based so I can play them. Because um, as much fun as I'm having with the Minbin forces, I do want to experiment with some different units, uh, and some of which are painted in front of me. I just need to base them. So uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's where I'm cool. at. Now, Drew, I All think right. uh, I think it's time that we uh, challenge one another. Is that what I'm hearing? I was about to say, what that's that's the other thing I've been working on. Oh dear, I've been I've been reading up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I. I did watch A New Hope with my son. Um, oh, nice. And I've been watching a bit more uh, Rebels, but yeah. Nice. Um, okay, what did, cool. what did he think? I'm I'm a bit concerned to say that he didn't he, – he, like, I think he enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. we got halfway through and he's like, can we stop now? I was mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, exactly. No, that's cool. We did watch the rest of it, so that's cool. Nice. Um, but I was, I was thinking to myself, actually um, – and I, and I won't talk too much about it now, but the Mandalorian um, might actually be a good thing to watch with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's PG so. in Australia. Mm-hmm. There's no gore, right? Um, and the violence is it's kind of cartoon violence, really. Like it is, it is. And I, man, yeah. I don't know about you, but growing up in the United States. I did end up watching a lot of Sunday afternoon monster movies um, and westerns, and I think The Mandalorian's got a little bit of both, so uh, yeah. I think it's fine. So uh, I, might, I might have a go that. I, I did put it to my wife, and she didn't dismiss it offhand, which is a good sign. That is a good sign. Well, Drew, uh, I think the last time we checked, both of us got, and I quote, two questions right on both of the <laughs> previous episodes so we're four for ten yeah. both of us we're, we're tied we're, we're tied at 40 percent here so, we're tied at abysmal yeah. so i got a new trivial pursuit box game for christmas uh that was one of my presents and it will be the source of our new questions now uh trivial pursuit is great for certain things um one of them is not uh, middle-of-the-road questions. So some of these are very hard, and some of these are stupidly easy. So um, the way this works is Drew and I are going to modify the game a little bit, and every week, or every episode, I should say, we will get two trivia cards, and we are going to pick the best five questions off of them. So Drew has ten questions in front of him. He's picking five. He's going to ask me, and then I'm going to do the same thing back to him. So we're going to see if we can get any better this time. Um, and, of course, we are trying to cut out the absolutely ridiculously easy questions. But um, we'll, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. So, Drew, do you want to go first this time or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. I'll ask you the first question. And we'll, go. We'll alternate again. Yes, sir. Cool. All right. Your first question. Who is the first character in The Empire Strikes Back to say, may the force be with you? Oh, it's an Empire question, too, which is my favorite. Um, la, 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 la. Han Solo. No, it's Luke. It is Luke. Damn it. Oh, it's it's Han Solo at the end of A New Hope. God damn it. Ugh. Okay. Sorry. Yep. But isn't he speaking to Han? Uh, I'm struggling to think now. And in the hangar bay when he says he's going to leave, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Damn it. Okay. Go ahead. Um, oh, sorry. I'll go ahead. Um yep. Let's see. Which item of Luke's does Darth Vader present to the Emperor? I'll give you a hint. It's not his hand. <laughs> uh, his lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Whew. 
yeah, that uh, that was a little on the easy side. I'm just saying, I'm warming you up. <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right, this I would not get this one, but let's just see how you go. Which borrowed, in quote, quote, borrowed item does the medicine man brandish in the Ewok village? Oh, my goodness. Uh, which borrowed object does the medicine man brandish? Um, it is, it would have to be Luke's lightsaber. Yes, we just happened to ask the same question. Oh, sorry, two questions there yeah, with the same exactly. answer. Yeah, I was like, he <laughs> definitely isn't brandishing the bowcaster and or Han's pistol, and definitely not Leia's helmet. So it's got to be, yeah, and uh, yeah, three. The, the cockpit dice. Yeah, from the uh, Falcon. Whew, one for one so far. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, that's your question now. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, who does C three PO refer to as very odd indeed? Soon after meeting him. Very odd. Very odd indeed. Keeping in mind, we are now expanding past the original uh, yeah, trilogy. Yeah. We are now in the uh, prequel trilogy, or potentially pre prequel trilogy era. Yes. R two D two. No, sorry, it is Jar Jar. Ah, that's yeah, right. That, that would make I asked more you sense. a Jar Jar question. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Go ahead. Is that our face? Is that our first prequel? It is. Um, and it was Jar Jar Pinks. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sorry. Um, how many banthers does Luke spot through his macro binoculars? Two. Two. Yes. Yes. I got that. Oof. I'm on, I'm on a roll. I'm feeling good, Drew. I'm feeling good. Um, let's go to another prequel question. And then I think that will be the last prequel question today. Uh, no, no, I, I've got a prequel question. Okay. What group does orange-eyed Lot Dodd represent in the Galactic Senate? What group does the orange-eyed Lot Dodd represent in the Galactic Senate? Mm. Banking clan. Look. Uh, I'm going to say you're really close, but it's the Trade Federation. Ah. And those are separate entities, yes? Yes, yes, yes they, they are. are I agree with those separate entities. Sorry, my friend, that is not it. Go. All right. Um, which planet's celebrants topple a statue of the Emperor in Return of the Jedi? Coruscant. Yeah. Oof. Wow. This, is, this is the first ever, Brad. You have had three correct answers. I can't believe it, man. This is amazing. And, um, and potentially yep. one more. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves, shall we? Uh, <laughs> feeling good, though. Woo! Look at me go. Um, now, which Jedi sends two red-cloaked Imperial guards slumped to the ground with a wave of his hand? Let me read that to you again. Oh, this is prequel, by the way. Which Jedi yeah, yeah. sends two red-cloaked Imperial Guard slumped to the ground with a wave of his hand? I think it's more that he throws him against a wall with a wave of his hand. However, mm. Imperial Guard slumped against wall. Jedi. Yoda. Yes, correct. Whew. For a moment there, I was, was going to say Mace, but um, he struggles a bit. And 
he's with the two other Jedi who dies mm-hmm. like pretty much straight away. Like they're useless. And there's no Imperial uh, Guard there. Mm-hmm. No, just Chief. That's right. All right. Um, final question. Yes. Which which character in the Phantom Menace was portrayed by an actor who performed his own stunts, but had his lines overdubbed? Ray Park, uh, Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was gonna, I was gonna, that was going to be the bonus, uh, the bonus question. Woo! Um, yes. Uh, and the reason I know him, of course, is he was in a lot of things, including he was Toad in uh, X Two. Yeah. And yes. he and he and he didn't play bass in Limp Bizkit. No, he didn't. Although, my goodness, does he look like that guy? All right, Drew. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you beyond two as well today. We're gonna go for three. All right. I'm sending <laughs> Thanks, you, I'm sending you warm fuzzies. This is one of my favorite so you, characters. So what you're saying is I can't win. I'm not. Look, I'm just I'm being positive here. We're going for three. Okay, here we go. There you are. Okay. This is one of my favorite characters. Hint, hint. Which pilot takes one look at the Death Star and blurts out? Look at the size of that thing. I think that's actually a fair impression, too. Look at the size of that thing. He's a pilot. That. I always get these pilots' names mixed up. Um, It's a wedge? Yes. Wedgie Antilles. So, yes. Uh, Hey, that was. was, uh, Go ahead. Nah, it's spoilery, so maybe... Uh, maybe yes, yeah, so let's not say that. Not a good time for spoilers. Nope, not yet. Yeah. Uh, but we will talk spoilers soon. Now, we were talking about talking about... Uh, sorry, we were talking about covering the IG uh, droid series in this episode, but then uh, given the length of our interview with Bo and uh, given that we didn't want to spoil anything for the Mandalorians, we are going to save the IG drones for a future or droids, I should say, yeah. for a few. Can I just say, yes. I want, I want Disney plus to get to Europe. Is it there yet? I know. Right. I think it, I think so. It's um, a bunch of stuff we can't talk about right now. I know, man. So many but things. If, if they're anything like us, like we got it the week after the U S but they mm-hmm. gave us all of the Mandalorian up until like we, we were instantly on par with it, with the U S for the Mandalorian. Correct. Once we got it, which meant we got two episodes in a row mm-hmm. like once. So I'm hoping that when, when uh, our European friends do get Disney Plus, they get it they'll all. get the entire series and they can just binge it in one night and then we're good to talk about it. Yes. Uh, European and then listeners, it's their fault for not watching it. Yeah, exactly. European listeners, let us know so we can talk about this, please. Uh, <laughs> yes, can't wait. But, um, Drew, let's, let's, get, let's talk to Bo and uh, let's, uh, let's find out about the, the battle for Kashyyyk. And uh, cool. all of the, the joy of that event. And uh, I guess uh, we'll be back after the break, gang. We will speak to you in the prequel. We are back with, here with Bo from Rico's Rough Riders. Um, here to talk, us about, to, uh, talk to us about uh, an upcoming Legion event, Invasion of Kashyyyk. How are you doing, Bo? I'm doing quite well, Drew. How about you this afternoon? Yeah, doing all right. It's pretty. It's pretty hot and smoky in 
in Melbourne, we've had the cool change come in, so it's getting a bit more tolerable. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, now, I'm really excited about this event because not only is it run through the Rico's Rough Riders Club in Sydney, um, but it's at our old buddy Matt's venue, who's been on many Cast Ice episodes in the past, Hall of Heroes. Um, so why don't we start, Bo? Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, Rico's Rough Riders and how you guys um, sort of operate at Hall Heroes? Because you don't actually work for Hall Heroes, but you guys um, are a club that operate out of it, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, we are a club that operates out of Hall Heroes. Um, we're just a group of mates that got together. Um, when we're looking at organizing times that we could all get together and play our games that mm -hmm. we so love. Um, and then from there, that started forming a club where we actually started reaching out to other members of the Hall of Heroes community and trying to get them involved so that we could get a regular gaming community built up in the Campbelltown area. That's awesome, man. Really? <laughs> um, how, how big is Hall of Heroes? I've never actually uh, been to the place and um, being in the wrong city and all. How many tables can you, uh, can you get up there? Uh, so at last count, I reckon we can easily squeeze in about 18 gaming tables. Um, mm -hmm. And then wow. there's also room to expand that as well. Yeah. So he's got a massive venue with a lot of resources there to back us up. And that's why we've chosen Hall of Heroes for where we go to game. Yeah. Cool. And one of the things, having been up there for a couple of events, um, the thing that I always say about Hall of Heroes is because it's run by Matt, who used to be um, sort of one of the overall retail bosses for GW, he's a man who absolutely respects terrain. Um, for any game system. And so if he's going to have a game run in his store, he's going to make sure he's got the right terrain for it. And so when I went up for the Bolt Action Grand Tournament a couple years ago, my God, was it impressive. Um, and that was, you know, World War II terrain sort of alone, other game systems aside. Um, and I'm, I, I can only imagine since then that his, his terrain collection has uh, improved. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot of different boards now. Um, my favourite game to play on is he's got this uh, Pacific-style board for bolt action. Nice. Uh, with a couple of terrain switches out, it's a perfect Scarif board as well to play Legion on. That, that sounds really cool. Awesome. That is so cool, yeah. man. And that was done up by um, one of your other friends that you'll probably know, Matthew Weaver. So. Mm hmm Yes, and that man has a talent with a brush. Oh, my God, does he ever. So good. Uh, and he's been on Cast Ice as well. Well, all right, well, let's talk about the invasion of Kashyyyk, right? Because it's going to be at Hall of Heroes on Saturday, the 29th of February. Um, and it costs $20 to register. Now, this isn't just your standard uh, Star Wars Legion event, is it? Um, you guys... Uh, have some really cool stuff in the players pack that makes it different from your standard quote-unquote FFG standard tournament player pack, right? Yeah, that's correct. So what we wanted to do with this tournament is we wanted to stray away from the, if you want to call it, um, the meta of the current gaming style of FFG events. Mm -hmm. uh, so we wanted to create a nice narrative event. So mm -hmm. we got together, we started thinking about ideas as to what we could do. And then one of my um, one of our Rico's members actually decided, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a Wookiee army? And then that's where it all started spawning from there. It sort of barrel roll into this event where 
spoilers for the rest of the players pack that we go through, uh, you can actually field a Wookiee-based army in this tournament. That is so So has anyone, has anyone in your group actually got enough Wookiees to field this army? Is, like, is, it, is it definitely going to feature on the day? Uh, yes, it's definitely going to feature. Um, one of our members, Brad, he's one of our founding members. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually has at least four boxes of Wookiees, uh, plus <laughs> Chewbacca, uh, and quite a large collection of clones and rebels, so he can switch out whichever units that he wants to put into the army to support him. Nice. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about how that is made possible through your player pack, because um, yep. this is a 500 point event. So it's technically skirmish, but you guys put out the players pack before skirmish came out. Um, so are there, are, there, are there any sort of key differences between your pack and the skirmish rules? Though? Yeah. So one of the key differences when you're building your list, um, there's actually no operatives in the list at all uh, mm -hmm. for you to take. So instead, your operatives actually count as your general for this. So if you wanted to do an army led by Boba Fett, he can actually be your general in this list. Mm -hmm. um, and as was stated, we did this before um, before the skirmish rules came out. Um, and we're just trying to focus on smaller points games. And that's why we're thinking you don't necessarily want to have an army where you've just got a general and an operative and your minimum core. So you still want your armies to feel like an army as well. So, mm. That's so it looks like the it looks like the selectors the selectors you put up are pretty close to other, other than um, operatives. It looks like they're pretty close to what are in the um, uh, skirmish rules. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that just comes down to having a lot of experience with doing up other events um, for other game systems as well. Uh, just knowing how to minimize those events to fit a smaller space than what I have access to at all the heroes. Um, so just by using that skill set that I gained earlier on in my hobby career, that's why I came up with these rules. Um, <laughs> it's a happy coincidence that they match skirmish. So that's good. Yeah. Now, one of the things I've noticed is um, one of the key features of the skirmish rule set is, of course, different missions or different um, objective cards and mission uh, table setting cards, you know, all the cards that make up the game that you play. Um, but with your player pack, you have set up specific missions that are set in stone. So people aren't necessarily listing um, around the three cards that they're going to be picking from, if that makes sense. Uh, instead, they have three set missions and with set deployments, with um, set objectives in each and every one of those three games so that they can build a... And it is a nice selection as well. So people know that they're going to get sort of a well-rounded experience. You're not going to end up playing key positions three times, so to speak. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to make sure with this event is that it was very easy to run. And we have a lot of new beginnings to Legion in Campbelltown. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do is make it clear and concise so that they knew exactly what each mission was and why they playing those missions and what the deployments were. So it, it sort of takes that element for new beginners to learn how to build those decks uh, for this tournament so mm -hmm. that in future events they can learn those skills and now they just have to worry about learning how to actually play the game itself 
Yeah. Having played an event on the weekend where, you know, I, I was still, I, I got the cards, but sometimes I have to sit down and actually look at them and think, ooh, do I want to pick this or do I want to pick this? And if someone had just handed it to me, like the event I played in earlier, um, previously, I should say, um, Drew, would you agree that that was a lot easier when people just hand you what you're doing and you just say, cool, this is what I'm doing, rather than trying to, you know, value assess which one best fits my army on the table? And though that is an important part of the game, when you're learning the game, I think that's really cool. Drew, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've only played one event for this, but because because I don't get that kind of saturation of play that I had with you know, older games and, you know, the, my lifestyle these days, I don't get to play as often as I'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of taking one element, and it's a it's a sort of a very separate element of the game out, is I, I enjoy coming up with scenarios, I really do, but it, it does make things a bit easier on the day. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think one of the coolest things about this event, and one that ties directly to our podcast, is that you guys, of course, themed it around the invasion of Kashyyyk. So you actually have armies. Um, so for all four armies, you have slight tweaks to the army list. Now, of course, that goes beyond the um, the force selection for the tournament, which is based on you know shrinking things down a little bit because it is sort of skirmish scaled. But you've actually changed some things up in a narrative standpoint that um, I think I know Drew and I got very excited to see because it allows you to really mix up your your uh, your forces. For example, um, if you are playing clones you can take Wookiee Warriors in your army as a special forces unit, and they have access to all the upgrades that they would normally be able to take. That's awesome. I know people keep saying, man, I wish clones could take Wookiees. Well, in your event, they can. That is so rad. And clones can also take... um, So you can actually take a 501st-themed army, which you can't take Wookiees in, but you can take Vader in. So you can take Vader with clones. And uh, as Drew and I both just got uh, Anakin models from Skullforged, ooh, that, I might have to play that one myself. Um, that's Bo, really Bo, cool, wanna, man. Bo, do you want... Sorry, Bo, do you want to take us through the list of those kind of um, variant armies that you, you've come up with this mm. event? Yeah, so... Um, just a bit of interest to why we actually chose to do these variant armies is as you're spot on we wanted to emphasize the narrative nature of this game mm. star wars has such a rich lore and background that there is so many cool things that you just can't do in the game yet um right. so that's why we started doing these things uh you've already touched on the clone troopers being able to take wookie warriors mm-hmm. as a special forces unit um that just stems straight from Invasion of Kashyyyk, and we love seeing it in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Rebel Alliance, we've got, they can actually take Obi-Wan Kenobi as its general. So we're talking about old man Obi-Wan Kenobi. Awesome. And the reason why we decided to add this, even though he was a hermit in the movies, uh, is for scenes such as in the Rebel series where he takes on Darth Maul as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might get a little bit more of an exploration into what Obi-Wan did during his time in the future uh, TV series or movie that's coming out, basically. Yes, that's going to be so awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very, very excited for that. Um, another one is for the uh, for your droid armies. We've actually got that they can be led by Jango Fett. Uh, so for this, 
all intents and purposes, we're using Bob Fett's rules, mm -hmm. um, and you can use the Bob Fett model uh, to stand in as Django Fett or get a 3D printed one from Skullforge. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he, yet again, has all the usual upgrades that are available to him. Um, and that's Clone Wars, you know, all of those sort of uh, cool scenes where he's jumping around and trying to flame Mace Windu in the face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes. You should probably make the um. Don't glue the head in. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> too soon, Drew. Too soon. <laughs> um, what do you think? I, I mean, from the other than the narrative viewpoint, and, I, and yes. for that I love this. This is great. Um, the other sort of pra more practical thing is it's it's giving a few more options to those um, Clone Wars players that mm -hmm. only have what three options at the moment. So just sort of. Tags, tags a couple of extra things into those lists that just mix things up for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as a, as I revealed to you earlier on, um, I'm actually a droid player myself, so I'm waiting to get my hands on some B2 battle droids so I can uh, paint up something that's not a B1 battle droid. Yeah. Um, Roger, so, Roger. yeah, by being able to add different units to it um it's just going to be really exciting for myself from a hobbying point of view uh, mm -hmm. and that's where my passion really lies so yeah man well i love we we um speaking of where my passion lies we skipped the galactic empire um i love that you guys <laughs> say that if you have darth vader as your general you can take one unit of uh phase one clone troopers to represent the 501st so you can actually add a unit of clones to an empire list which I never would have thought to do, but um, Drew, that would be perfect for your um, special troopers that you were talking about last time, wouldn't it? Yeah, the so, purge troopers, right? Purge troopers. So I don't know. If, I don't know if you're familiar with them, Bo, or you, or you heard me talking last time. But um, either the Galactic Empire option you've put there, um, or the uh, Order sixty six uh, force, both both would suit me suit me very well. Um, the Purge Troopers being the the last batch of clones produced post post Order sixty six, um, and they're just part of the Inquisitorium, just hunting down Jedi's. One of the many groups that seem to be hunting down Jedi's in mm -hmm. that period. Yes, well, they deserve to be hunted down. Um, yes, those dirty Jedi rats, you know. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do remember uh, listening to you talking about those, and it actually worked really well for it. Um, yeah, perfect. Just adding that extra different play style to the list from that one unit. So, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, uh, we've, you've talked yeah. through them all, but there is a brand new list. You've actually added a fifth faction for this, and you did spoil it earlier by talking about it. But shall we go through the Wookiee list? Because I know that if we don't talk about it, people are going to ask. Um, I have it in front of me. Do you have it, Bo? Do you want to read it, or do you want yes. me to? You go ahead. Um yeah, I'll, I'll totally read it for you. Uh, so the Defenders of Kashyyyk is a Wookiee-based army that can be fielded in either Clone War era or the Rebel era. Awesome. Um, so by choosing one of these eras, it basically dictates what you can actually add into the army and what you can't <coughs> add into the army as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the army's general is Chewbacca. Because mm -hmm. we don't, unfortunately, have a Commander Typhoon, so we'll go with Chewie for this one. Um, your core units are Wookiee Warriors. 
so cool. Now, depending if you go a Clone War era, uh, you get Phase 1 Clone Troopers as Special Forces, mm-hmm. and your support choices become Bark Speeders. Now, cool. if we take the other route and go Rebel Alliance era, um, you get Rebel, tru- Rebel Troopers as Special Choices, and you also get ATRTs as a support choice. Nice. Well, of course, if you have Chewbacca is not naturally a general. Um, and so uh, they do have um, he does have it, operative cards. Are these the same as his regular operative cards? Because you have command cards listed at the bottom of this list. That's correct. So Chewbacca comes with standard operative cards and his operative cards are very uh, synergy orientated with other characters that right. you might have in your list. Um, now, based on our players pack and our selector, you can't have other characters in your list for him. Mm-hmm. So what we've decided to do to represent the fact that he is going to be this army's general and this four selectors general, we've actually changed his uh, his command cards as listed in the players pack. Um, so I'll go through them Please. for you now. Uh, so these are designed to effectively... Um, just changing the word text that are on his regular command cards. Mm-hmm. So you add those to your command deck and then just when you activate him uh, and choose a command card, you're just running off the text in the plays back. So first up, we'll start with the big three pip, mm-hmm. uh, So, which is his Notorious Scoundrels command card. So the orders will affect Chewbacca and one unit of Wookiee Warriors. <coughs> so this is just emphasizing that synergy that he works really well with other characters. But in this case, it's going to be working well with a unit of Wookiee Warriors. So everything will be him and a Wookiee Warrior unit. So the effect of this is you choose a command card in your discard pile and return it to your hand. So you're going to be able to activate two cards and you're going to be able to return another card to your hand. So it's nice and easy. Mm. That one didn't change too much. It just change who he could activate with it um now the next one is brains and brawn uh so this is his two pip command card mm-hmm. now yet again chewbacca and one unit of wookie warriors are your orders and the effect while the wookie warrior unit uh with order token is performing a ranged attack if chewbacca is not engaged and has one of sight two and is at range one to three off the defender add one of his ranged weapons to their attack pool. So he's going to be able to support uh, the unit of Wookiee Warriors if he hasn't actually engaged in combat, mm-hmm. um, which I believe that is one where he can actually support Han Solo. Uh, I could be wrong with that. It could be the Luke Skywalker one or Leia. Um, if it's Brains and Brawn, it's, it's, um, <laughs> isn't it Leia? I'm, I could be wrong. Uh, now I'm confused. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm um, confusing myself with that too. Is yeah. that would that be would that it attack then be just? Yeah, is that sorry. a free additional attack that, he, like, he still activates as normal outside of that? Yes, that's correct. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then our last one, our one pip is yet again Chewbacca and one unit Wookiee Warriors. Um, so after Chewbacca activates, if all, if the ordered unit of Wookiee Warriors has a face-up order token the unit may activate after the ordered unit of Wookiee Warriors activates. Um, if Chewbacca has a face-up order token, he may activate. 
So at first I read those things as, as sequential. So like Chewbacca activates, and then if he hasn't activated, activate again. I'm like, what? Uh, but, yeah, yeah, they're, separ- no, no, they're no. separate <laughs> conditions. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I probably could have uh, typed that out a little no, bit No, no, it's, um, it's just me. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it is two separate. So if one unit activates, the other one gets activated. So it's essentially enabling you to activate two of your units prior to your opponent activating one of theirs. Nice. Right. And the three pip is yeah. usually Han, the two pips, Brains and Brawn is Leia, and then Common Cause is uh, Luke, usually. Um, but it's cool right. that it stacks with the Wookiee Warriors. Now, I pulled out my cards while we were going through this because I was thinking, man, you're going to really struggle, given those few um, choices in a list, to make 500, or 500 points. And then I realized that if you have a Wookiee Warrior squad with a bowcaster, it's what? 100-ish points, and then Chewbacca's about 100-ish points base. So just Chewbacca and three squads of Wookiees is 400 points. So yeah, making that 500 points, not a problem. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly easy to do, uh, especially once you start giving them uh, upgrades like Tenacity and mm-hmm. other gear. Uh, yeah, it can really add up really quickly. Mm. Yeah. Um, so... Yes, I want to sort of maybe ask a question that's not quite related to the to the event we're talking about. But so this this army that's going to feature with the with those uh, support options, so the special forces and support, has have there been any conversions that represent more Wookiee tech rather than uh, rebel or clone tech? Uh, so. The one person that I know for sure that is bringing Wookiees, uh, he hasn't had a chance to actually do any of the converting himself yet mm-hmm. um, to represent it. He does want to um, convert up a couple of the... Sorry, I'm going to plead ignorance here, uh, but essentially <laughs> the Wookiee boats uh, mm-hmm. that they used to fly around. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, right on. Mm-hmm. Attack of the clones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he wants to convert up a couple of those to be used as his bark speeders. Um, Or essentially when we expand on this for future events, it could be a possibility of running them as if they're a bit bigger as uh, snow speeders. Oh, that would be T 47s. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think the two things that, the two things that came to mind for me, um, the first one is actually wrong, but, kind of works was to have like a little um ewok hang glider but with a wookie <laughs> rather than an ewok yeah which which at first thought is like actually that's wrong because they're not wookies but then hey wait they were supposed to be wookies yeah uh, yeah and then the second one i'm thinking is an atst with like wookie just doping his head off the top like uh. <laughs> um but maybe maybe converting him an ATRT, but converting an armored sort of cockpit for it with the Wookiee sticking out the top. Man, I would yeah, love so to see something like that, but I think you've watched Return of the Jedi too much recently. <laughs> yes, uh, that, that would actually be really cool. Um, might be something that we can look at doing later on down the track. Yeah. So, I guess it's cool. Yeah. If, if people kind of adopt these sorts of events where we're not running like the tournament pack as prescribed by fantasy flight games. And I've got no issue with that. And I, I can see why they want to run things their way. Um, Cause it just makes things consistent for people, but it does 
limit freedom for, and creativity with these sorts of things that you're yeah. talking about. Um, so it'd be cool to see some more events with either these adjustments or similar ones that just let people, you know, I could see other than those really dedicated people, people might be reluctant to make a, a fully Wookiee force because it might not be allowed at, mm-hmm. at, at every event. So, yeah, so go ahead. we're not against uh, actually running those events uh, like those big FFG championship events or anything like that. Um, actually, we're going to be working with Matt at the Hall of Heroes uh, later on down the track to actually host one of those events. Mm-hmm. Um, but what our ultimate goal is to sort of bring something from one of the other game systems, I don't know, at least Brad uh, plays as well. Um, mm-hmm. He might have dabbled in uh, something called Bolt Action. Never heard of it. I don't I've... know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I've yeah. never played it, but I've, I feel like I have through Brad. Yes. Yeah. So what what I would really like to do is work on a, a sort of compendium of different theater selectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way Just... we can actually. Yes. Sorry. So it's kind of what we're working our way through in this podcast, but um, not so explicitly. But still, please, yeah. Yeah, so we we want to go through and just be able to actually go through listed battles and try and do a bit of research as to actually what units we're fighting where and then we'll actually be able to build up this compendium um, of different theatre selectors that when we do run these events and we'll release it to the wider community as well. So if they do want to host these events... It's just a different way of playing the game. Totally. But you're going to have to come back and talk to us about these uh, some other yes. time, I think. Because like, that sounds, yeah. it sounds like our jam. It, it sounds yeah, like, it's... Drew, we might have to run one of these ourselves in a couple months. Oh, yeah. We'll, um, we'll mm. franchise it. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely keen to talk about this because as soon as I heard you guys were focusing on the narrative and mm-hmm. coming out, legion from a different perspective from other podcasts that i've listened to oh man i was all on board i was like yep sign me up Boom. let's go love it man love it well i think it would be remiss if we did not quickly run back to the player pack for a second as much as i want to talk narrative because there is something that is different from your event in another way. Um, and it's something that I know, having played in a couple of recent Legion events, that FFG packs don't use, but would really help tournament organizers. Um, and that's the use of secondary objectives. Now, the secondary objectives don't help the players win around, but they're sort of little tiebreakery things that um, are used when there are ties. Because the FFG software is, you know, it's it's win or loss, and so that means that you can end up with a lot of ties for different places in uh, placements and events. If you're especially if you're playing in a three day, but the fact that you actually have four layers of uh, sort of gradients that you can add to each round um, to help you, I think just is awesome to help break those tiebreakers. How did that come into being? So that came into being the secondary objectives, um, just purely for the fact that I've run tournaments in the past where it's just been win and loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of the day, if it's a one-day tournament with three events, you've got multiple people on the same points. Uh, and it becomes really hard to be like, well, who wins this army to win? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it does become that hard, um, hard level. So, and I've seen 
in the Star Wars Legion community groups on Facebook and a couple of other places, uh, people have actually stated exactly what you said with the FFG games. There's been multiple tournaments where there has been these draws. Um, and that just led me to secondary objectives. Now, secondary objectives are pretty common in other game systems, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily in Legion. Um, but, yeah, so as I said, we've got four. Um, now, the first one is straight up something that embodies Star Wars for myself, mm-hmm. and that's when your two generals really start going at it and start fighting. Uh, so you, you get a point if you're, if you're – general kills the enemy general nice now as you said these don't go towards actual overall tournament points but just to help break ties yeah um and from a narrative point there's nothing cooler than seeing you know Darth Vader trying to kill General Grievous or Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi um they're they're epic moments off the battlefield so (laughs) um our second one that we have for this tournament is have more than double your opponent's victory points in a round yeah so this ties back to the missions because, mm-hmm. uh, as you stated before, these missions are different. They're set. So each mission will have its own um, objectives and its own way of scoring those objectives. So if you get more than your opponent, you just get an extra one to go for uh, ties, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, now, next one is kill all of your enemy core units. So basically just leaving your, your enemies elite alive or wiping them out as well Mm -hmm. but if you've killed all their core there's a lot of missions where you actually won't be able to capture objectives as well that's right so and our last one is win the game with your general dead um i I tend to get that one i think usually that's usually me hey look my general's dead you were dead Mm -hmm. dead white (laughs) exactly yeah so and, and that just comes for, like, a sense of a funny thing, and it's actually quite an accomplishment in most games to be able to win a game with your general dead. Um, so, yeah, so that's why we added it into the place back for this for this tournament. Yeah, that's so cool, man. I love that you have that in there um, because, as you say, it just adds that flavor, and you have four points of, um, you know, to, to add that differentiation when you have the placing placements at the end, which is just super helpful. But it also, um, it doesn't mean that people are going to be necessarily sniping each other on the tabletop because it doesn't actually affect the outcome of their game on the tabletop um, and doesn't muck up the victory points as written in the player pack. It's just for you, the TO, at the end to help break ties, which I think is really cool. And I, I think will cause a lot less... Um, you know, white line fever towards trying to get all four of those. Quick, quick, I got to kill my own general so I get at a point. Like, I, I, I don't think that is necessarily going to help uh, people to have uh, a good narrative experience. But, you know, having a couple of those in there, you can say, oh, yeah, look, I got a couple of those this time. Or I got one of those uh, this time. It's cool. I feel, like if, I feel like if players are actively working towards those four, that will probably be at the expense of the primary objective. So yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of things that you might pick up, um, uh, one or two of them at the end of a game if you're kind of mm-hmm. mopping up. But if, yeah, if people are focusing on it, then it might not work out so well for them. Right. But, but yeah, also by the... focusing on it, you're not, I mean, again, it doesn't win you the actual game. If you're focusing yeah. on those, you're not actually focused on the actual objectives. And as someone, you, yeah, exactly. At least you definitely won't be wooden spoon because you'll, you'll have no... No round points, but you'll have all the uh, yeah, exactly. points. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, so, and that's 
that's exactly right. I wanted it to be so very different to the objectives of the actual missions that you have to choose. Are you going to go for one or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always the case of, oh, I want to go for the secondaries. I just want to go around and go for these objectives. Yeah. So, Right on, man. That's awesome. That is so cool. Well, Bo, I hate to do this to you. I think um, we're we're nearing the end of our time. Can, um, can I can I ask one more question? Yes, Bo? please go in. Yes. What 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 a so because because most of us aren't purely playing for the love of the game or tabletop games in general or the hobby. Some of us are playing just for the uh, the uh, cold hard sports that they get at the end. What <laughs> what sort of prizes have you got uh, on offer? Uh, so we've got a. We're going to be working with Matt to sort out uh, prizes for mm-hmm. uh, best generals. So we're going to be looking at doing um, best generals for each faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be five top prizes there. Um, and then we're going to... Ah, <laughs> uh, the Wookiee General. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, I feel general. like Brad's getting a prize no matter what he does, isn't he? Game and, and in the so system. he should. And this, if you're talking bolt action, it sounds like someone's playing minor powers. Is that is that what I'm hearing over there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 minor powers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, essentially we want to try and, uh, our, as I said before, our goal is to expand on this in the future and we want to encourage people to think about running like Wookiee armies. And that's why we've got a prize for the Wookiee army itself. Um, and then we're going to be doing a couple of uh, lucky door prizes and stuff like that as well. Um, so yeah, so we, we're going to have a, a decent amount of prizes to back up the event. So nice. Um, do, do people have to bring painted forces? Um, they don't necessarily have to be painted. I'm, I'm a sucker for a beautifully painted miniature. Um, yeah, me too. But yeah, so we'd like them to be painted. Um, if people are struggling with that, um, we can definitely see about trying to help out where we can. Um, but yeah, it's it's up to them. Um, we'd prefer painted, but they don't necessarily have to be painted. Yeah. Well, I do love that you have a best painted award and you also have a best sports award, which I think is uh, one of those things that you don't see all too often in today's gaming world, but I think um, rewarding people for being cool opponents, uh, you know, just being nice people across the tabletop is just having good social skills is important, kids, um, is what I'm trying to say. So I think it's awesome that you are rewarding people who put the effort in for painting and the effort in to, uh, you know, be a reasonable opponent. So that's cool, man. Good job. Oh, thank you. It's it's one of the things that we hold quite dearly to our hearts as a core Rico's Rough Rider. Uh, so you've got to be a good sport in your games. Um, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Everyone enjoys winning a game, but there's that sense of humility when you're doing it that you want to actually be able to be a good sport. You don't want to be a, a one of these win-at-all-cost players mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily have the right attitude when playing a game against someone. So here, here. You're here. Amen, brother. Amen. Now, um, Hello, bro. what's yeah. that I've been saying to you every game recently, Brad? Oh, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And I, I think <laughs> mine is I, I'm easy like Sunday morning. So that's something in there. Yeah. Um, well, guys, um, if you are interested in the invasion of Kashyyyk and man, I'm super. <laughs> I wish it was here. Anyway, it's uh, in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, at Hall of Heroes in Campbelltown. 
Uh, it is the 29th of February. It's a Saturday. It costs 20 whole dollary dues, Australian dollars. You've got, you got six weeks to paint up some movies, people. I know, man. Get in it. Get that dry brush going. Um, Low-hanging fruit. Now, Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. You can do it. Uh, give Brad a run for his money. Make sure there's at least two Wookiee generals in there. Uh, now, I got – love you, Brad. Um I guess my other thing is, uh, Bo, if someone wants to register for this, uh, do they email the uh, Rico's Rough Riders or do they call Hall of Heroes or could they do either? Uh, So for registration um, to pay the $20, uh, that's all done through Hall of Heroes. Nice. um, And that will go towards making sure that uh, it's allocated towards the prize pool and uh, terrain for the event as Mm -hmm. well Um, because we've got things working out with matt where part of our events that we run will actually go towards getting more terrain for the store so that we can build up bigger events and have a amazing boards mm-hmm. um so that people can remember in a few years down the track like yourself brad that it's yeah. an amazing game yeah yeah um but yeah if you have any questions and army list submissions are all done through the rico's rough riders email address that's listed in the players pack nice and uh, that's Rico's Rough Riders at gmail.com for those of you at home. Uh, now, that's correct. Uh, and we'll put, up, we'll put up a link to the Facebook page within our Facebook page. And I'm going to let you oh, do that, you. Drew, be because great. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have done it already. <laughs> uh, awkward. Uh, I'm the technical guy for this show. Does it show? Um, now, uh, <laughs> Bo, again, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, we'll have to talk to you soon to see how. Uh, how the day went and um, talk about, you know, the lists and uh, maybe some of these theater selectors, if you will, to borrow the term from Bolt Action, uh, how to build a good themed list, how we can make that happen in uh, the local Australian meta. So thanks for coming on again, man. No, thank you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to hearing more content from you. It's coming. It's coming. Just like Christmas. Uh, now, whether you thank like you. it or not, we'll be back. Yes. And thank you very much. Um, and guys, thank you for listening. Uh, it, it, you know, we're still getting our sea legs here at uh, Beyond the First Marker, and we are trying to find out what you, the listener, wants to wants to hear. And uh, so far, the feedback's been great. But uh, as always, we are looking to uh, improve the show and give you what you and, want. And as we just heard from from Bo. We're really excited to hear about other people who've got the same kind of philosophy as us. Um, so if if this is the sort of thing you're interested in, please let us know. Please let us know what you're working on. We want to see photos. We want to hear how you're implementing it in your games, um, what your tables are like, all that sort of thing. Exactly. Star Wars is the best, man. It's a great big universe out there, and we are trying to put uh, as much of it on the tabletop as possible. And if you can help us do that, we would love to hear from you. So uh, I guess from us at Beyond the First Marker, uh, Drew, I guess this is us saying good night. Good night. Thanks. Thanks, Bo. Thank you, and good night. Thank you for listening. For more information about the topics discussed in today's episode, please find our Facebook page by searching for Beyond the First Marker. Please message us there if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions that will help us improve the quality of this show. Until next time, may the Force be with you.